Preface to Silhouettes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Blethering Ape. Silhouettes by Arthur Simons. Preface being a word on behalf of patchouli. An ingenuous reviewer once described some verses of mine as unwholesome because, he said, they had a faint smell of patchouli about them. I am a little sorry he chose patchouli, for that is not a particularly favorite scent with me. If he had only chosen peau d'Espagne, which has a subtle meaning, or lily of the valley, with which I have associations, but patchouli will serve. Let me ask, then, in republishing, with additions, a collection of little pieces, many of which have been objected to, at one time or another, as being somewhat deliberately frivolous, why art should not, if it please, concern itself with the artificially charming, which, I suppose, is what my critic means by patchouli? All art, surely, is a form of artifice, and thus, to the truly devout mind, condemned already, if not as actively noxious, at all events as needless. That is a point of view which I quite understand, and its conclusion I hold to be absolutely logical. I have the utmost respect for the people who refuse to read a novel, to go to the theater, or to learn dancing. That is to have convictions and to live up to them. I understand also the point of view from which a work of art is tolerated insofar as it is actually militant on behalf of a religious or a moral idea. But what I fail to understand are those delicate, invisible degrees by which a distinction is drawn between this form of art and that, the hesitations and compromises and timorous advances and shocked retreats of the Puritan conscience once emancipated and yet afraid of liberty. However you may try to convince yourself to the contrary, a work of art can be judged only from two standpoints, the standpoint from which its art is measured entirely by its morality and the standpoint from which its morality is measured entirely by its art. Here, for once, in connection with these silhouettes, I have not, if my recollection serves me, been accused of actual immorality. I am but a fair way along the primrose path, not yet within singeing distance of the everlasting bonfire. In other words, I have not yet written London Nights, which, it appears, I can scarcely realize it in my innocent abstraction in aesthetical matters has no very salutary reputation among the blameless moralists of the press. I need not, therefore, on this occasion, concern myself with more than the curious fallacy by which there is supposed to be something inherently wrong in artistic work, which deals frankly and lightly with the very real charm of the lighter emotions and the more fleeting sensations. I do not wish to assert that the kind of verse which happened to reflect certain moods of mine at a certain period of my life is the best kind of verse in itself or is likely to seem to me, in other years, when other moods may have made me their own, the best kind of verse for my own expression of myself. Nor do I affect to doubt that the creation of the supreme emotion is a higher form of art than the reflection of the most exquisite sensation, the evocation of the most magical impression. I claim only an equal liberty for the rendering of every mood of that variable and inexplicable and contradictory creature which we call ourselves, of every aspect under which we are gifted or condemned to apprehend the beauty and strangeness and curiosity of the visible world. Patchouli! Well, why not patchouli? Is there any reason in nature why we should write exclusively about the natural blush if the delicately acquired blush of rouge has any attraction for us? Both exist. Both, I think, are charming in their way, and the latter, as a subject, has, at all events, more novelty. 
if you prefer your new mown hay in the hay field, and I, it may be, in a scent bottle, why may not my individual caprice be allowed to find expression as well as yours? Probably I enjoy the hayfield as much as you do, but I enjoy quite other scents and sensations as well, and I take the former for granted and write my poem for a change about the latter. There is no necessary difference in artistic value between a good poem about a flower in the hedge and a good poem about the scent in a sachet. I am always charmed to read beautiful poems about nature in the country. Only, personally, I prefer town to country, and in the town we have to find for ourselves, as best we may, the décor, which is the town equivalent of the great natural décor of fields and hills. Here it is that artificiality comes in, and if anyone sees no beauty in the effects of artificial light in all the variable, most human, and yet most fictitious town landscape, I can only pity him and go on my own way. That is, if he will let me. But he tells me that one thing is right and the other is wrong, that one is good art and the other is bad, and I listen in amazement, sometimes not without impatience, wondering why an estimable personal prejudice should be thus exalted into a dogma and uttered in the name of art. For in art there can be no prejudices, only results. If we arc to save people's souls by the writing of verses, well and good. But if not, there is no choice but to admit an absolute freedom of choice. And if patchouli pleases one, why not patchouli? Arthur Simons, London, February 1896. End of the Preface